Oh, it's so great to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ with you today. Today I have uh, three crosses up here, and they represent the three thieves that were crucified that we read about in Luke. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 and 33 says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. I want to tell you there were three thieves that day. You'd say, wait, three thieves? Yeah, Golgotha is where they brought thieves to be crucified. Matter of fact, Isaiah gives us a glimpse prophetically into this that there were, in fact, three thieves that day. Therefore, I will divide him a portion in Isaiah 53 with the great kings and rulers, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty because he poured out his life unto death, and he let himself be regarded as a criminal and be numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore and took away the sin of many and made intercessions for the transgressors, the rebellious. Three thieves. It says Jesus was regarded as a criminal and numbered with the transgressors. Now, some theologians have said this is quite possibly the very first church. That here Jesus is dying on the cross, getting ready to pay the price for the sins, and he's offering forgiveness. And in this moment, this could be actually the very first church. And I have this to say, if that was the first church, how many know the first church was full of really bad people? (laughs) Now, if we're a church, then we've got to ask ourselves, where are our bad people? And I think every church needs to realize that. Church was never meant to be a sanitized, little safe place. It was meant to be a place for those that are hurting, those that are bad, those that are broken, those that are outcast, a safe place for them and come and find the life of Jesus Christ. So if you're a bad person, don't identify yourself today, but if you're, if you're a bad person, can I say this? Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on. We're glad you're here. The church has always been a safe place for bad people. I mean, you think about it. If this is the first church, it was full of bad people, and it's a safe place. The church will never give up on people that the world says they're hopeless, you're bad. Maybe you thought the walls would fall down if you came to church today. They're still standing, and we're glad you're here. And if you look at Jesus, Jesus ate with bad people. He lived with bad people. He even died with bad people. The church was never meant to be that sanitary place where only the healthy go. Now, if we're going to look at these thieves today, I want to look at the first thief here. And by the way, we we know their names after the Bible, Gestus and Dismas. Gestus was the one that was the bad thief. This bad thief, he, he was somebody that hurled insults at Jesus even in his dying. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who was hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And you can kind of tell from the interaction that perhaps these two knew each other. Maybe they were partners in crime. But this guy, the bad thief, the one that goes and hurls insults at Jesus, he he shows us that we're all bad. He shows us that even though behavioralists would say, you know, we're all born good and we have this good, no, we're all born with the sin nature. And this guy lives in that sin nature. And even in his death, he insults another dying man. 
I mean, you'd think that he'd just keep his mouth shut, but no, he's attacking Jesus. And it just reminds me the depth of sin that people can go to. I mean, you watch the evening news, how many know the depth of sin is deep? You read the newspaper, the depth of sin is deep. You see sins that you didn't even know could be committed, and the news is talking about them, the depth of sin is deep. Now, this guy, in the midst of this, he demands a miracle. He says, if you are Jesus, if you're the Savior, save yourself and save us. Get us down from here. I want to let you know, this guy had no intention of following Jesus. He was like a lot of people with hurt and pain and a lot of people that have issue with God. And they say, God, if you don't write it in the sky, I won't serve you. God, if you don't heal this person, I won't believe you. God, if you don't do this, then I won't believe you. They demand a miracle and they say, God, I won't serve you unless, and even in that, they really don't want to serve him. Reminds me of Hugo Chavez. Right now, he's the president of Venezuela. Do you know that he's battling cancer? And this weekend, on Easter weekend, on Good Friday service, he stood before the people of Venezuela. And he said, Jesus, let me live. Let me live. I still have more to do for this country. Let me live. And he commanded all of the people that are government employees. He said, you will go to church this weekend. You will or you will be fired. You will go to church this weekend and you will tell Jesus to let me live. I think it sounds a lot like the criminal on the cross. That's all I'm saying. And just in case Hugo Chavez is watching, it doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work that way. It didn't work for the chief priest. It didn't work for the devil when he said, turn these stones into bread. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. This guy had no intention of following Jesus, but he demanded, get me out of my trouble. I have no interest in eternal life. Just get me out of my trouble. I'll tell you this. This guy was a thief, and you can forget his name, but one thing you can't forget about this guy, this guy, he died condemned. The Bible says that he died, and he died condemned. He did not turn to Jesus. He demanded a miracle, but he did not turn to Jesus. It's a sad end for this guy. Now, this other thief, we know him as the good thief, but let's not forget, he was a thief, all right? Yeah, yeah he was a thief. But there's something that happened to this guy, and we like him a lot more because his ending was different than his beginning. That's important. Some of you have held off, and your ending can be different. This guy witnesses Jesus being crucified, and while he's probably swearing, and he's probably fighting against the pain, he sees Jesus is not swearing. Jesus is laying down his life willingly. Jesus is praying for the people that are doing this to him. He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Something happens to this guy in the midst of this, and he realizes the thief in the middle, Jesus, he's innocent. He is innocent. And it says in verse 40, the other criminal rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since we're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And there's something, it's like the light goes off in this guy's mind and all of a sudden he realizes, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And one of the things we have to realize if we're gonna come to Jesus is that we're guilty. Now, the world would want to explain it away. Don't say you're guilty. Don't confess your sins. If you feel a tinge of guilt, try to explain it away. Blame it on somebody else. You're not guilty. You have to come to the realization that you're guilty. Now, seeing that I'm talking about two thieves, 
How about if I just confess to you my career as a criminal? How many want to hear that? I was a little kid. I was about five or six years old, went to Target with my mom, and uh, I wanted a piece of bazooka bubblegum. How many are old enough to remember bazooka bubblegum? I want a piece. It was one penny. And so I said, Mom, can I have a piece of bazooka gum? And, and she said, no, you can't have it. And so when she wasn't looking, I just took it and put it in my pocket. So we get out to the car, and I don't know what is about cars that we think we're invisible in cars or whatever, but I was in the back seat, and she was in the front. Maybe I didn't think she could see me in that rear view mirror, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, I put that gum in my mouth. I unwrapped it, put it in my mouth, chomp it away. She goes, did you steal a piece of gum? I said, what gum? <laughs> she said, the gum in your mouth? Nope. Yes, you did. Don't you lie. You are guilty. I've turned this car right around. We are going back to Target. You are paying for that. I'm like, oh, oh no. I walk into Target. She brings me right up to the manager. She goes, he stole a piece of gum. What do you say about that? And he goes, oh, it's okay. Everybody does it. <laughs> my mom says, Rob, you just wait right there. She took the manager over there. She goes, don't you dare tell my son that. You tell my son that you are calling the police and that they might give him the death penalty. You tell him that. So she, he comes back over. He's afraid of my mom. He says, we're going to call the cops on you. But your mom said, no, you got to pay. Don't you ever do that again or we'll kill you. Is that good enough? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm guilty. I don't even want the gum anymore. You know, I mean, uh, the world wants to explain it away. You're not guilty. But the word of God says you're guilty. You are guilty. And when this guy realizes that he's guilty, that's when he speaks up and he asks Jesus to forgive him. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He changes his mind and he shows that anyone can be forgiven. This guy says it. And all of a sudden, he goes from being a thief that the Bible says, this guy, all of a sudden, he becomes forgiven. This guy, his whole life is changed because of the moment on the cross next to Jesus. And his whole life is changing. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, you got to understand, this guy realizes Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's an eternal kingdom. And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. He was saying, you're going to be forgiven, and you're going to come in. And in the terms of that day, paradise meant this. You have access to my royal gardens. When I come into my kingdom, you get all the benefits you are going to enjoy everything good about serving me. You are going to enjoy everything good in my kingdom. And you think about it. This guy really was the first one in on eternal life right there. Because the Bible says Jesus died, and then they went and broke the legs of these guys so they would die sooner. And so they die right after Jesus. So Jesus dies first pays the price for our sins, and this guy is the first one in. Before Mary, the mother of Jesus, before the apostles, before anyone else, this guy, you talk about last being first, this guy got it. <laughs> this guy was it. Now, one more thing about this guy. This guy is the only one that stood up for Jesus. Think about it. In his, in his trial, in all that's going on, where are the disciples? Pew, gone. Nobody's speaking up for Jesus but this guy does. He's saying, don't you know, we're guilty. This guy's innocent. Come on, speak up. And can I say this to those of you that are Christ followers that have already made that decision, you're already forgiven, speak up for Jesus. Speak up for Jesus. Don't be the kind of follower that goes silent. Be the kind of follower that says, we're guilty, he's innocent, but he's right, and I will stand up for Jesus. Now, the third thief, 
Now, honestly, how many are offended that it says thief on the cross for Jesus, right? I heard about it from my mom. She's like, well, it didn't seem right, you know? But can I tell you this? He was a thief in a different way. The other two thieves, they stole money, they stole people's property, but this thief in the middle, Jesus, you know what he did? He went and stole away people's shame and sin. He went to the woman at the well that had multiple husbands and was living in adultery, and he said, I forgive you. He went to the woman that was caught in adultery, and he said, no one condemns you, neither do I. Go and sin no more. He went to the lame and the blind and and all those, and he took their sickness on him. He went and healed it and stole it away from them. He went up to lepers and stole away their shame and said, I'll take your leprosy. I'll pay the price. Now you can go back to your family. This guy had a record. He was a thief in a different way. This guy said, I'm going to steal away from death. I'm going to steal it away. The devil has stole your life, but I'll steal away your death, and I'll give you back your life. This guy had a huge, huge record. (laughs) Ephesians 1 says this, through the blood of his son, we are set free from our sins. God forgives our failures because of his overflowing kindness. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, the Apostle Paul was writing, he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. In Colossians chapter 2, it says this, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He performed his greatest heist, his greatest theft on the cross. It was like the ultimate Ocean's Eleven. I mean, right there, here he goes, and he says, you think you've got me where you want me? You've got me where I want to be. You've got me where I need to be. And when he went to die, and in that moment, he pulled it off, he ripped off the grave, he took away the sting of death, and he said, I will conquer the greatest enemy, which is death. And if you're going to say that you are conquering death, that you are ripping off death, then you better come back from the dead. And that's what he did. The Bible says that the women were going to anoint his body, and in Matthew chapter 28, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. He pulled off the ultimate heist. And this one, I've got to change the sign. He was not a thief. He was really righteous. And he was the one that was righteous and stole away your sins. And because of his righteousness, you don't have to die condemned. You can die forgiven. We know he pulled off the heist because he came back from the dead. The Bible says 500 people saw him. And they testify that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the biggest question for you today now is, will you allow him to be the thief in your life? Will you allow him to steal away your sins? Will you allow him? Because he paid the price. And he says, you don't have to die condemned. You can die forgiven. And so you stand there. You say, well, what do I do? You let him steal away your sins. Now, let me just point this out. There were two thieves that died with Jesus. Both of them were on their deathbed. Think about this. They were both going to die. Eternal life was offered to both of them. One said no. One said yes. 50%. Now, I'm going to give an opportunity at the end of this service for you to give your life to Jesus. 
And I know some will say no, and I know many will say yes. No one will ever be forced to make a decision for Jesus. He allows you to do it. He gives you a free will. But I know there are some that when the opportunity is given, you will just sit there. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. I'm not given. As a matter of fact, you can hurl insults at Jesus. It's been done before. But I pray that that's not you. I, I've seen families that will invite their friends and co-workers or family members. They'll say, come to church with me, come to church with me. And I'll see them waiting in the lobby, waiting for their family members to show up. And all of a sudden, when they show up, they'll tell me, like, Pastor, I'm bringing, like, four of my family members. I don't know if they know Jesus. If you look at us, see, you know, just breathe up a prayer for them, and maybe I'll see them, like, oh, there they are on row three. I won't embarrass them, you know. And I'll see them during the service. And then when an opportunity is given for them to give their life to Jesus, you know, I'll be praying, that family will be praying, and sometimes they sit there, I won't be moved, I won't be moved. And it's really sad. It's really sad because I know the offer of eternal life was put out for them, and they didn't receive it. But there are times when somebody will invite a whole family or a whole row, and I'll give the opportunity, and all of a sudden, instead of being there like this, all of a sudden, their heart will feel the tug of Jesus, and they'll raise their hand, and they'll look up at me, and all of a sudden, they'll look up, and they'll see others around them. They're like, hey, we're all doing it, the whole row. This is so good. I had one time eight people in a row did it. They were like high-fiving, all excited. And I just pray that if you're in that moment of decision, that instead of being like the thief that died condemned, you would say, I want to be like the thief that died forgiven. I want all the benefits that God has for me. And you're not on your deathbed, but you're here today with a life to live. And with that life, you could live it for the glory of God. You could give every day for the rest of your life saying, thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins. And so if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity. And all across this place, I'm asking that we bow our heads and close our eyes. For there are many right now that are in that moment of decision. You've been invited here. You were invited by a family member or a friend or a coworker. You got a flyer. You heard about it. You saw the sign, whatever the case may be. But you're here and you're saying, I'm in that moment of decision and it makes sense to me. You feel the pull of the Holy Spirit right now saying, this is for you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and look up at me and I will include you in a closing prayer. And in that closing prayer, Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins. This is your moment. This is what we've been praying for. This is the moment that you can be forgiven. And so I'm asking here in this room and also in our overflow room as well, that if this is you, you're saying, I need to be forgiven. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready. I receive this. I want to know that I know that I know that I have eternal life, that heaven is mine. Would you across this place with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, but if you're ready to receive Jesus, would you now slip up a hand and look up at me and I would love to acknowledge that right now. Yes, I see that hand. All across this place, hands are going up and in the back over there. Yes, way in the back. Hands all through there and on the side and up here and in the front, there's two hands and there's in the way back there, there's hands and right there in the third row and the fourth row and in the middle, back by the sound booth, the whole clump of hands, that's so awesome. And in the middle of the middle section and two hands together there and in the back, yes, and right here, yes, I see your hand and yes, back there together. And there's, again, a whole clump way in the back to my right, your left, all those hands, there's so many in the middle and in the front and another one just went up and way to the side. These are so awesome. I see your hand way in the back. It just went up. There's hands everywhere going up. Yes, I see your hand way over on the side. I come into agreement. 
Yes, there are hands all over the place of people that are coming into the kingdom of God. You're saying, this is for me. You can go ahead and put your hands down. This is a moment that we're so excited for. We want to pray for you. And we want to say, thank God that you had the courage to raise your hand and say, I'm in. I need this. I want to be forgiven. I want to pray this prayer. And I want to ask that those with you would pray it out loud. I'm going to pray it. And then you repeat after me. And the Bible says, if you pray it, if you mean it in your heart, you'll be forgiven. Those around you, they'll pray it out loud with you as just a form of encouragement. But let's go ahead and pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I thank you for that forgiveness that you paid for on the cross. I receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. I thank you that you died and rose again so that I could have eternal life. And now from this day forward, I pledge to live for you with everything I've got to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. So Lord, I thank you for those that have made this prayer. They've made this decision. They've asked to be forgiven. It's real. It is real. It is real. And we thank you for that. They were condemned, but because you are righteous, they are now forgiven. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would walk in this new faith that they have, forgiven in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Can we thank God and give God glory for all those that made a decision? So good. It's so good. It's so good. All right, I'm going to ask uh, that those that made that decision that you would do two things. We want to make sure that you get something from us. It's called a book called Now What? It's just a little book and has a letter from me to you and just a way to read your Bible. It just helps you out on this journey. We want to give this to you. It's available at the Welcome Center, but it's also going to be available in just a minute in this room. And if you made this decision in here or in the overflow room, I'm speaking to all that made the decision. It was uh, over four dozen people that made that decision that made it for Christ. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, and, and I'm going to ask you to do something. Usually I ask you to do this before you go to bed tonight. Tell someone you made a decision to follow Jesus. But because it's Easter and we have three crosses up here, I want you to do something. In just a minute, we're all going to stand all across this place. And those that made a decision for Jesus Christ, I want you to go bold. If the criminal could stand up for Jesus, you can too. Okay? And if he could stand up and say, he's Jesus, he's, he's the one that we need to serve, then you can too. And I'm going to ask that you're going to get from your row and come up these stairs, walk past condemned, past righteousness of God, past forgiven. I want to congratulate you. And in front of those here, you're going to say, I'm bold for Jesus. He changed my life. So that's about four dozen people, five dozen people that are going to do that. But I'm going to help you out too. Anybody that made a decision for Jesus Christ last year or this year, you say, I want to do this. I want in. Last year or this year, I want you to join those that made that decision. Now, if you made the decision 10 years ago, stay standing and clap, all right? But in the last year and a half or so, if you made that decision and you want to do it, you say, I want to walk past condemned, past righteous, into forgiveness, I want to join those. So let's stand here and in the overflow room too. This is for you. If you made the decision in the last year and a half or today, we want to celebrate. The rest of us are going to be clapping. So let those people out that made that decision so they can come now. Come on. You come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. That's right. 
That's right, let's join them. Come on, let's do it. All across this place, praise God. Come on, pass. Yes, come on, let's do it. Praise God, praise God. Come on, he's stronger. Praise God, you did it, you did it, you did it, you did it. It's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. He forgives us, he forgives our sins. It's real, it's real. Praise God, praise God, we're so excited you did it. Praise God, it's real, it's real. Praise God, praise God, it's real, it's real. Thank the Lord, he changed you. We were condemned, he was righteous. We're forgiven, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. It's real. It's real. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. Praise God. It's real. It's real. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. It's so real. Praise God. We were condemned, but He's righteous. We're forgiven. We're forgiven in Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. It's so good. Yes. Come on. We're waiting. We're waiting. Come on. It's real. Forgiven. Yes. Yes. It's real. Oh, man. It's, it's so exciting to see changed lives and people saying, Jesus is real in my life. It's so exciting. So Lord, once again, we celebrate that lives have been changed for eternity. And we thank you for that. You're risen, you're risen indeed. And we celebrate that today. Thank you again for those that have made that decision. May this church always welcome everyone and always give people an opportunity to accept you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. One more hand clap for the Lord. Yes. Yes. Now we have prayer teams, prayer teams that'll be up in the front. And if you have prayer needs, maybe you're getting ready to go to be with family and you need a little prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're getting ready. Maybe you came with something and you said, I need Jesus to steal away my sickness. I need Jesus to steal away the shame. I need Jesus to steal away something that's happened recently. We'd love to pray with you. And the prayer team members will stay till everyone's been prayed for. But he's risen. Let's live like it. And let's go out and share the good news. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day serving the Lord. <laughs>